These are just a few scenes from the inspiring America the Beautiful show. Launch control, LV. Go ahead. All video recorders off. Roger. So far, yet they're so very far to go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, as you can see, we'll be on the ground soon. W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 115 for the week of April 19th, 2009. Thank you for tuning in once again for some fun, family-friendly Disney magic. April showers may bring May flowers, but they also affect the vacations of guests visiting Walt Disney World. And while many people look at the rain as something that will keep them stuck in their rooms, I look at it as a wonderful opportunity to enjoy the resorts and the parks and maybe even a way to experience something that they never have before. So this week, we're going to look at the top 10 things to do in Walt Disney World when it rains. I believe that each day we are all motivated by our dreams, both big and small. And for many people, dreaming to be a part of the magic that they enjoy today or have experienced and impacted them as a child fuels their passion. And for many of those people, that dream has or will come true. And for one of Disney's most talented character artists, he believed in and followed his dream, and now he's making magic for all of us guests. So this week, I want to introduce you to Brian Blackmore, character artist for the Disney Design Group. He not only recounts his personal journey from childhood watching Uncle Walt to working for the company he loves so much to sharing advice and practical tips on how to possibly follow your own dream and even work in a place that truly creates magic for others. I'll have another Walt Disney World trivia contest this week where I'll test your knowledge of a classic Walt Disney World attraction or two before playing some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. enjoy hearing from people when they return from a trip from Walt Disney World, telling their stories and recounting their memories and just about their experience. And I think it's a mixture of maybe living vicariously through them and being able to share in some of the joy that I know Walt Disney World brings to people and their families. Then again, I, I cringe just a little bit when I hear people come back and say, they didn't have a good time for one reason or another. And someone saying that they were tired of, of burgers and fries all week literally sends me into a near comatose state of both sadness and frustration. And I won't even go there. But I've also heard 
countless stories of people coming back and saying that their vacation was ruined or wasn't all it could have been because it rained. And they, take a deep breath, Lou, had to stay in their hotel rooms all day. And yes, it pains me (gasps) just to utter those words. So with April and its showers, I thought it may be best, and hopefully for the benefit of some of those people, to look at our top 10 things to do in Walt Disney World when it rains. And joining me, joining me as a man who enjoys long walks in the rain and cozying up by the fire with his cream spinach and funnel cake, the most talented artist by a hair at Celebrations Magazine. (laughs) Tim, I'm not Samantha, but I still love my bananas, Foster. That's right. I counted 28 seconds before you got to food. Just thought I'd throw that in there. But honestly, you know, when I was thinking about the intro, that's one of the things that people come back and I say, oh, did you have a great time at Disney? And they say, yeah, but, you know, burgers and fries. And I and I just I put my <laughs> hand on my head and just shudder in disbelief. But You don't listen to your show very often, do you then? Clearly not. Clearly <laughs> not. Um, and that's the has to be maybe the new tagline. Uh, WDW Radio, it's not just burgers and fries. More than burgers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we were talking about things to do when it rains. And some people actually wrote in, suggested this as a top 10, had some things that they like to do. And we figured with April coming um, and summer coming, this is a great and, and appropriately timed topic. And listen, the number one thing I'm going to say it will rain in Florida, and and even inside the bubble, and the, the wonderful bubble that it is, of Walt Disney World, it will rain in the summer. But it's usually, and this, Tim, is the thing that I think people get scared about, is that it's usually the 10-minute downpour. The right. heavens opened up, pours down, and then 20 minutes later, it's dry as a bone. I get that sometimes. Or the hurricane, one or the other. I'll tell my hurricane story later. Oh, great. <laughs> and I have one. <laughs> but I actually look at the rain as a great opportunity. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity to explore a lot of Walt Disney World, check out a lot of hidden treasures, and uh, and that's why I think our top ten. And it will be ten with, with maybe one or two extras in there. Um, well, that never happens. No, never, never, never. <laughs> uh, but I want to give one tip. Uh, about going to Walt Disney World and going to Walt Disney World in the rain. And if you can, and if you remember, I usually do, but end up leaving them in my bag. Anyway, go to the dollar store, go to Walgreens, go somewhere, go buy the cheap ponchos for a dollar, two dollars, stock up and save. Um, I actually keep maybe six or so in my owner's locker since, like I said, I always forget them. Um, I like getting the clear ones so you can spot each other in the parks and it's not just a a sea of, of yellow Lemons. Um, a sea of right, right. Disney's <laughs> here comes Disney's, the lemons. <laughs> Disney's uh, bananas. Disney's used to be <laughs> yellow, um, and now they're clear. They're the, the Disney blue. park oh, ones. So they were blue there for a while too. Uh, you know what? Were they? Maybe I thought they. Ah, okay. the blueberries. <laughs> and if you have kids, buy an extra, buy an extra one. Cover up your stroller with the poncho when you when you park it outside the attraction. There you go. All right. So. <laughs> I'm going to go first because I know you're going to steal three out steal of my five. Mine, I know right. you're going to steal. That means I get to go last. So That's fine. Before you throw in your that's 10 right. other things. <laughs> that's <adventure>. right. <laughs> All right. All right. 
And uh, the first one, like I think many of these are going to be for me, Tim, is going to be very broad and maybe obvious and maybe ridiculous to some people. And the thing I think that you should do when it rains is go to the parks. <sighs> well, scratch. There you go. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Lou. <laughs> and obviously, and, and feel free to jump in. Obviously, when it starts to rain, and for some people, when it starts to, to drizzle, you know, some guests Dri- panic. Drizzle? Drizzle. Okay. <laughs> and they, they panic, and they leave the park. I mean, they just exit. They don't even go into a store. They just take off. That allows those of us who will stay behind, maybe duck into a store or head out to the parks, a much shorter wait time for the attractions. Um, I say either break out the ponchos and enjoy the cool downpour or duck into a store. I mean, there's you can spend a ton of time in some of the stores. There's great shops in all the different lands. Um, my only caveat, if you are going to stay outside... You know, maybe don't stand under the Liberty Tree just to be safe. You know, avoid the lightning. Um, and, and you know what, too? Bring an extra pair of socks and shoes if you know it's going to rain and you're going to be out there. Put it, put it in a locker. Or be like my wife and just wear your Crocs and then you'll be okay. Or your pool shoes, which is what I do when I go to Cali River Rapids. I was going to say, if you, if you wear Crocs or pool shoes to the park, yeah, this is over. <laughs> this is over. Who, me personally? <laughs> you personally. Okay, I have uh, I have never worn Crocs or pool shoes to the park. Thank you. I suggest you move <laughs> along quickly. Many, many photos. Yeah, because that's, that's not an image that I want to carry with me, so go for it. <laughs> All right, well, if that was your one, you know, I'm just cheating because that was basically my number one, too. So I'm just going to elaborate on yours because I, I was going to say what to do when it rains. Do everything. Just Act like it doesn't rain. Now, on a lot of the ones I'm going to talk about, and probably with you too, there is the caveat that if you are experiencing a day-long torrential rainstorm, may not apply. It may not be a good idea to walk around right. the park all day long. But if it is the casual light shower or little brief afternoon spurt, I'm with you. Just walk around the park. Enjoy yourself. Now, I, I, I fear what I'm going to say next because I'm going to totally contradict what you said before. <laughs> So, and this is about the ponchos because actually what I have found I, I like if I know it's going to rain or, or any day actually is just bring a big safari hat kind of thing with you you might look silly hey it's Florida you're allowed to do that though um, and I find if, it, if it's actually not raining too bad and you just have a big hat on or even a baseball cap you don't really notice that much and to me you, you seem like you're a poncho guy you love the poncho to me, the poncho is means hot and sticky, and I'm going to get wet anyway, and I'm going to look like a lemon and more uh, banana. All right, I, I'm two things. <laughs> Come I, on, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> me personally, not a poncho guy. Wife, kids, knock yourself out. Uh, me, I, I'd rather just wing it, run it, whatever. If you get wet, so what. Second, if there's a photo <laughs> of you in one of these hats in the park with your water shoes on. I need to see it. Well, I don't know about the shoes, but there definitely is a hat because somebody in the park once when I had my hat on, which my wife and my daughter laugh at me every time I wear it. There was a guy who had the same exact hat on and he came up with me, tapped me on the shoulder and said, look, a, a, 
There's a gentleman of fine taste and distinction. And I didn't know what he was talking about until I realized he had the same hat on I did. So we took pictures of each other. So there is a picture of me with this. I think it's a very stylish we're, hat. I, think uh, I look like Indiana Jones. Sort we're of, we're both of you guys wearing your members-only jackets, too? <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> you were. Now, the, the only re- actually, the only reason I really mentioned the ponchos is kind of, kind of what you said. It's, it's when the rains start to come is when the panic sets in for a lot of people. And I, I see so many people, like, if, they, if they're not leaving the park, they're running into the store and they're running over, I need five ponchos and I need them now. And they're shilling out their bills and they're, all right, you put this one on, you put this one on, I'm going to help mom with this one on. And everybody puts their ponchos on. And more often than not, it is one of those 10-minute showers. And by the time they got all ponchoed up and they're ready to go outside, it's basically stopped. And um, so I say, don't don't panic. You know, see what it is. And if it's not too bad, just don't worry about it. Just carry on. Put your hat on. Go to the next ride. Um, what or, have you. Or, or maybe take that opportunity. You know, if you know if it's going to rain for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour. Shopping. That, that might not be a bad time to... <clears throat> Maybe, you know, what? Go, to do what? Go, go grab a bite. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. More surprise. than hamburgers and hot dogs, I assure you. Anyway, move well, on. I, well, I got one more. There's a, a very important tip coming from my point of view. And in, in, in the interest of doing everything, I would say, you know, as best as you can conduct yourself normal. Just be aware of what people most likely do do when it rains is that they they'll huddle in a, in a store underneath an overpass or as somebody pointed out the exit queue of it's small world and back the whole thing up so you know be just so quick to hide with everybody just go out and enjoy the park because you'll find a lot of things aren't less crowded and as long as it's not pouring you won't get that wet and if you get wet so what the sun's coming out later so exactly back to you lou um oh i, I go again so, okay <laughs> that's fine yeah, I see. I cheated because we're, ours were the same. So this is going to be the same too, and it, it's obviously a no-brainer. I, I think we're probably both going to say, and if not, then I'm going to look silly. Uh-huh. To go to Downtown Disney, and while you're there, you know, and or you know, Disney Quest and shopping and things like that. Was on? Was that on your list? No, you look real silly right now. Well, that's fine. Well, I'm going to tell you <laughs> first. There's a lot to do in Downtown Disney that does not involve eating. I, I'm, I'm going to leave. The, oh, actually, no. Eating is on here. Um, <laughs> I mentioned Disney Quest. You can spend a good half of a day or even longer at Disney Quest. Um, it's really an indoor, interactive theme park. You can do things like create your own roller coaster. There's old school video games, which I just love. There's different kinds of simulators. There's high tech rides. There's great virtual reality stuff in there. Um, lot to do, really, really a lot to do. Um, and I think if you go after a certain point in the afternoon, if you go like in the evening, it's like half off. Um, I don't remember exactly what the costs are for Disney Quest. I haven't been there in a long time. We have to take a, a trip to Disney Quest. I've been there a long time either, but... but and, and obviously, too, head on down to the marketplace. Um, there is a ton of great shopping. And if you don't mind sort of running those little short walks in between the Lego store, World of Disney, the Christmas shop... Goofy's Candy Company, uh, Once Upon a Toy. Uh, there's a lot to see in there. There's even a lot to do. There's some. There's um. Sometimes there's some hands-on activities that you can do in there. Your kids can come in with you as well. Um, if you don't like feel like shopping or Disney questing, go see a movie. Go to the AMC Movie Theater. There's 24 screens. I'm sure one of them is going to be showing a Disney film. 
um, <laughs> over in downtown, downtown Disney's West Side. If it's nighttime, treat yourself to Cirque du Soleil <clears throat> or maybe try a new place to eat like House of Booths or Bongos or Raglan Road or T-Rex. That's a radical suggestion. <laughs> so, but it's a good excuse to go down and try something that maybe you wouldn't say, oh, I'm not going to leave the parks and, and waste my time in downtown Disney. This might be a good opportunity to go ahead and do that. Absolutely. Uh, see. Well, my first tip was to do everything. But to totally contradict myself, my second tip is going to be to do nothing. And actually what I'm talking about is if, if it is raining, kind of along your lines of going to downtown Disney, I usually like to take that opportunity to go hopping around the hotels and, or around the resorts and relax. And uh, if you're at the Magic Kingdom, hop on the monorail, go visit the Contemporary, the Grand Floridian, the Polynesian, take a tour uh, have a nice lunch, do some shopping, and and generally relax. Basically, take the opportunity to see the other things at Walt Disney World that you might not see, like, as you said, uh, downtown Disney being one, but also explore the resorts, because you could spend a whole day doing that, and we have done that many times. Um, and actually, a couple resorts I love to visit in the rain, if I can, are the Polynesian and the Wilderness Lodge. Uh, to me, when, that, when it's raining, they take on a whole new character, um, when you're, especially when you're coming from the monorail and entering into the Polynesian, or if you're walking along the docks at Wilderness Lodge. Again, as long as it's not pouring and you're getting torrentially rained upon, but listening to the, the rain pitter-patter on the leaves of all the trees and plants around you, uh, it's really, really cool. So if, if the opportunity presents itself and it's little too wet to get in the parks or you want to do something different take a ride on the monorail and do some resort hopping i'm with you brother i it, yeah. it's on my list um Not, yeah I, I will i will join along uh, you know taking the monorail tour is a great idea you mentioned quickly you can take tours at some of the resorts i know the grand floridian and wilderness lodge have free tours if you go on and talk to them um if you can get in the pilot's cabin and and make the loop um, yeah. Something one thing I've oh, oh for you finish. I was gonna say one thing I forgot to mention too. The one thing at the Wilderness Lodge I really like. I, I think when it does rain, especially cool if there's a nighttime thunderstorm going on. I feel like in the Wilderness Lodge, you really even when you're inside, you really get a sense of it raining outside. And as long as you're planning on being inside, it's really cool. And it's especially cool if you go out on one of the many porches and and. Uh, balconies that are there, especially out out the back of the lobby if you can go out there and just watch the rainfall and listen to it. Especially at the Wilderness Lodge, you got the fire going. Very, very cool. Wanted to throw that in there before you moved on. So, <laughs> Another place, other than the Monorail Resorts, another place I like to go, if and when it rains, is the Boardwalk. Because you now mm-hmm. have, you've got at least three, or you've got five if you want to count the Swan and Dolphin resorts that you can explore. The Boardwalk, the Yacht and Beach Clubs. Lots to see in there. Um, you also have the boardwalk. There's ESPN Club. There's the arcade. Lots of different things to do um, along the boardwalk as well. There's some other shopping there as well. And while you say, you know, explore the resorts, I think you should also explore your own resort, depending on where you're staying, because chances are there's a lot there. We've talked um, on the show in the past about places like Port Orleans. There's tons to see. There's a huge backstory there. 
a lot to really sort of take in, even if it's just sitting on a chair and, and watching the water and watching the rain come down. Um, and in, in Tim Foster contradictory manner, I'm going to say, <laughs> don't go out and enjoy the resorts. Stay at your hotel. Treat yourself to some room service. Go to the arcade and have the Dance Dance Revolution throwdown. Go shopping. Try one of the other restaurants maybe in, your res- in the resort. Really take advantage of the fact that you're, that you're going to stay there for a while. Um, or even just sort of take it easy on yourself. And like I said, you know, pamper yourself. A little bit of room service, a little bit of relaxation. You're primed and ready to go for when the rain stops or for the next day. Oh, hurricane story. See, this is good timing. <laughs> and, and wait, this... let's be clear. None of our yeah. tips... Do, are applicable during hurricanes. I am, well, just so you know, last the WDW Radio was, Show, its agents, servants, and employees are not giving any sort of advice to any guest to go out in the rain or a lightning storm or hurricane. Caveat emptor, <laughs> buyer beware, you're on your own. So, and, End of disclaimer. Yeah. No, we were, we, we were actually staying at the Yacht Club when Hurricane Charlie blew through Orlando. It was actually not. I mean, if you have to be anywhere in Florida during a hurricane, being at Disney is not the worst place you could be. Um, and it, it was actually kind of neat because we got we got a free bag lunch and we got to watch Monsters Inc. for free on the TV, which I think you should watch all the time for free on the TV. But um, <laughs> but it was actually kind of neat, um, especially watching the tree blow down in front of our room, which was gone by the next morning thanks to the Disney cleanup crew. So that's my hurricane story. That's it. That's the whole. That's the whole story. That's it. That's the whole story. That's all you got. Why don't you move on to your <laughs> next on your list? <laughs> oh, was that? Did you do yours? Uh, sort of. I mean, I I, I kind of embellished okay. the resort. Right, well, you know what? Then fine. I'll. I'll my next one is um, somewhat silly and very very short, <clears throat> much like me. Um, my next uh, on my top five list of or ten things to do is go get wet. Go. You're 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 already soaked from being out in the rain. You you you've been avoiding riding something like Splash Mountain or Cali River Rapids or even dare I say going to a water park. Go ahead. You're already wet. Go get yourself drenched on Cali River Rapids and just really enjoy it. This is where the extra set of clothes in the locker that I said at the beginning um, really takes effect. Now, legal disclaimer: If thunder and lightning is present in the Orlando <laughs> right. area, do not go into a water. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, take this opportunity to my do my short and silly one, too. And this is courtesy of my wife. So, if anybody thinks this is this is one of those stay with me folks ones, <laughs> we have a lot of those. But I think I think it's cool. But it kind of fall. It kind of goes along yours. Um, go swimming. And again, if if the weather conditions. Don't permit you to go swimming. Listen to your lifeguard. They're not going to let you in anyway, but, but do pay attention because that can be very dangerous. But if it's just a light rain and you're allowed to go swimming, go swimming. And uh, my wife tells me uh, some of her favorite swimming memories as a child or when you, you're, you're at the pool, you got your goggles. And if it is swimming, you, just, you go underwater and you look up and you see the rain falling on the surface of the water. And to her, that was the coolest thing ever. So if you have the opportunity and you're there, and it's not horrifically storming outside, go for it. Like Lou said, you're not going to get any wetter, so you might as well have fun and see a sight that you probably won't see that often. You know what, Rain though? underwater. I- I'm thinking about it, 
and the lawyering me is taking over. Forget everything ah, I said. On. Stay inside where it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, listen to your lifeguard. If the life they're right. saying, don't go in, go inside. Do what they say. And common sense. Obviously, common sense. Yeah, common things. sense. We're kidding common around, sense. but please don't sue me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead. Right, you're up. It, no, that was I, that was actually one of mine, and so I kind of piggyback on. All right, well, this is my last one, and um, the last on my list of, of top things to do when it rains in Walt Disney World is to indulge. Indulge yourself. Uh, take a monorail or take a bus over to the Grand Floridian. Go to the spa and health, and health club. Go get yourself one of those secret garden bath wrap seaweed things. Pamper yourself. Guys and girls, manicures, pedicures, massage, facial, uh, spend time in the steam room. Really just relax inside and enjoy a day pampering yourself. When you're done at the spa, go inside, have some nice hot tea, maybe a little warm scone over at, um, um, at, at the Grand Floridian inside. High tea is, I think, served between three and six in the afternoon, we've talked about this in the past. There's fruit tarts. There's little tea sandwiches. Really, really nice. Um, and, and if that's not your cup of tea, but you, pardon the pun, but you oh. still want to indulge yourself, <laughs> sorry, go down to Downtown Disney and just shop till you drop. And just worry about the credit card bills when you get home. So am I to understand, <laughs> perhaps as recently as your last trip, you had a seaweed wrap and got a pedicure? <laughs> Are there, are the there things that I do to research for this show, but no, no, I have not done that <laughs> yet. <laughs> now, was that really your last one? Because by my count, I only did three. Well, I did five, so the next well, two are all you. Well, you snuck two in there that I didn't. Well, here, I'm going to sneak in a bunch on my last one then. So, um, Well, a couple things. I'm, I'm actually surprised you didn't. Neither one of us brought these up yet. Being specific, going back to our stay in the parks and enjoy yourselves and have fun. I, I did want to talk about a few attractions in particular that I do very much enjoy in the rain and are better. And I'm surprised you didn't bring these up. And two of these we've actually talked about many times. So I eliminated them from my list, but they absolutely deserve an honorable mention in the Haunted Mansion and the Jungle Cruise in again taking on a whole new character in the rain. Again, you're inside for the most part in the Haunted Mansion but just approaching it while it's raining outside truly unforgettable uh, but again we've mentioned then so many times things to do in the dark things to do when it's things that are scary <laughs> we always seem to bring up those two so those are in the Hall of Fame but a couple other ones that I also enjoy <coughs> TTA in the rain <laughs> TTA yeah is, is the one um, very nice again as long as it's not as long as the rain's not going horizontally if the rain's going horizontally might want to go inside but if it's coming down gently the TTA is a very neat thing to do in the rain and I also like to um, go on the Liberty Square Riverboat when it's raining particularly this if you go on the second deck and hang in the well the back or the front of the side depending on which way the wind is blowing um, really nice just seeing the rain falling on the rivers of America and seeing the Haunted Mansion in the rain and, and uh and again, enjoying the Liberty Square Riverboat in a way that you usually don't when you when you ride it most of the time. Nice change of pace. Um, and that's that's my last one. So I like it. Any any other attractions in the specific attractions in the park you like? 
Well, you know what? I'm going to th- th- throw you a curveball. I'm going to throw you okay. a curveball because while that's the end of my list, uh, uh, here we go. Here I started go. to think, and I got another. One. Well, I, I I do, but it, it's a little bit different. And I started thinking about my first one. You know, going out to the parks. And I said, what really to me and to you are the best parks in the rain, the best parks to experience in the rain. And, and remember. Most of the rides, most of the attractions are going to stay open unless there's lightning or anything that, that really makes it unsafe or, or dangerous to guests. Um, I think to me, I think the Magic Kingdom is probably the best park in the rain for a number of reasons. Number one, the rain does scare a lot of families away, especially people with young kids. So if you are without children, you don't want to maybe leave them out in the rain, get them wet, get them sick. Uh, a lot of yeah, those don't families, leave them in the rain. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Um <laughs> For the most part, there's very short, often covered walks in between attractions or shops or different buildings. Um, Main Street USA, great example. You can browse the shops on both sides without ever having to step outside. Yep. And yes, you might end up at either you know the ice cream parlor or Casey's. When you get to the end, there's the arcade in Tomorrowland. Um, I think there's just a lot. And like I said, some of the attractions in the Magic Kingdom dare I say, offer a different experience in the rain. Yeah, I think for me, this was actually one of the other things I had on my list too, since you brought it up. Um, as far as general parks and liking them in the rain, I actually like walking around World Showcase when it's raining. Uh, if nothing else, that you, you can go at a leisurely pace. And again, if people got chased off, they might have left or gone to their resort or, or watching Honey, I Shrunk the Audience over and over again so they don't have to come out in the rain. But uh, World Showcase is nice in that you can you can really duck in and out of uh, shops as you make your way around. And, and there are lots of covered places to sit and enjoy the rain and, and watch, you know, check out the lily pond in China or the, the ponds in Japan. Uh, if you have sufficient shelter, like an umbrella or your hat or your poncho, whatever it may be. Uh, again, they, they, those also take on a whole new character when it rains as well. And uh, if it's, I have a choice of places to hang while it's raining, I like to go to World Showcase and, dare I say, get a snack or two along the way. I didn't say that. <laughs> Epcot was second on my list um, for two reasons. One of which, World Showcase, depending on what pavilion you get caught at, too, you can spend a lot of time in there. And I think Japan is a great example. The Mitsukoshi Department Store is there. There's the Tin Toy Exhibit there right now. <clears throat> there's food there. Uh, China, there's a ton to explore in China. Not even talking about Nine Dragons. There's the <laughs> shops. There's lots of great, cool things in the shops. There's some interactive stuff to do there. Um, there's the show, I think, that a lot of people miss uh, or, or choose not to go to. The streets in the back of China. Norway, too. You've got the shop. You've got the attraction. But I actually think Future World is a great place to get caught in the rain really because if you're in a pavilion say for example like the land there's a lot to do in that pavilion and you can sort of hunker down there and you can see the the different attractions in the shows uh, universe of energy 45 minutes right there um, mm-hmm. by then the rain will be gone um, <laughs> and of course interventions east and west and if you don't mind you know shooting across the plaza um, there's a lot to explore in both of those. You can really spend a few hours in there as well. Um, and then I would say the studios is next on my list because even though there is a bit of a longer distance between the attractions themselves, once you get there, sometimes there's a lot more to see 
You can take your time wandering through them. Star Tours, great example. You come out, you've got Tatooine traders right there. You can maybe shoot over to, uh, to Muppets right down the street a little bit. Uh, you have to be aware there are some shows that might close during the storms. Obviously, Indiana Jones, um, Backlot Tour, Beauty and the Beast is one that uh, I was actually there, got caught in a very bad lightning storm, um, and, they, and they pulled the, the performers off stage. And uh, if you can, go see the animation tour and One Man's Dream. Really take your time walking through that exhibit. Really, when's the last time you went and really explored One Man's Dream and really took your time going through it? Going in the rain is, is a great opportunity for that. I cry at One Man's Dream. What I'm part? Sorry. What part do you cry at? Is it the Dancing the Man? It's the movie. I, I cry at the movie. <laughs> Are you wearing your hat and your water <laughs> shoes when you do that? <laughs> no. Hey, I got an Epcot question. I'm going to throw you a softball here. You ready? For the benefit of everyone listening. Say, Lou, if I'm in Future World and it's raining and I'm standing under Spaceship Earth, aren't I going to get wet from all the rain? Pouring off of the geosphere. Well, you know, Tim Foster, you won't get wet. Why? <laughs> because of the ingenious drainage system that was put into the outer shell of Spaceship Earth. The channels in between the silver Alucobon panels, of, of which there are 957 of them, is actually drained. It doesn't. It won't drip down to the bottom as if you were like pouring water on top of an orange. It actually drains into a channel, and that goes out into the lagoon in the park no way way awesome <laughs> dork <laughs> wow thanks for that it's an affection it's a term of affection it really is like only bananas, because i right? only because i have that picture of you wearing the hat and the shoes you don't have that <laughs> Cry, picture yet. crying at one man's dream if somebody's good at photoshop <laughs> i would kill for that so oh boy but uh, uh, hey, if you're going to talk Photoshop and hat and crying, I'm going to say Photoshop and seaweed rapid pedicure. So be fair. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, finally, obviously, Animal Kingdom last on the list. I, I really wouldn't try and brave Animal Kingdom and in, in anything more than just a little drizzle um, because so much of it is outside. Um, but if you can go see Festival of the Lion King or Tough to Be a Bug, uh, Dinosaur. For the most part, Tim, really, or obviously, you know, Finding Nemo, the musical, um, everything else is outside. Everything else is exposed. So um, if you're able to to get in on one of those shows and time it just right, hopefully by the time they get out, um, you'll be good to go. But otherwise, I would say browse through summer shops and just kind of wait it out. Get something to eat. I, I said nothing about that. Oh, I thought that was you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have a, I, here, I'm going to throw you a, a totally out-of-left-field question, because you like these. Since we're talking about rainy moments, what are your, and don't make it your top 20, what are your favorite rainy moments inside the attractions, like the ones you're meant to experience? You know what I mean? You got my gist. I have no clue. My, my top, as my, in, my top as 200 in, rainy moments. <laughs> as in, like... When the rain, rain, rain came down, 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 and Winnie the Pooh, that scene. Oh, you I see like what that. I'm see? I or like maybe that. See? Sh- maybe that should be another top ten. That should be, but I will tell you that <laughs> I, I love that effect in, in The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. I love that sort of bobbing on the water and, and the light effects in, in Winnie the Pooh. I like the, the ripples in the water that you see on the as it, as it hits. The, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So go ahead. Give me another example of an attraction where it rains um, in time. 
I like the, I love the, I assume it's right, the rainforest environment scene in the land, in living with okay. the land. I think it, doesn't it rain in uh, Voyage of the Little Mermaid too? Uh, Don't you a little bit of rain uh, effect? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it does, Luke. Oh, here and come I the emails. Lou, you're insane. It doesn't rain. I don't think it rains in there, but I know that there's a... I'm trying to think of somewhere where there's a, another water you get, effect. You get misty, but I get misty anyway. <laughs> oh. Now, well, one of my all-time long-gone favorites, and I think we I mentioned this, is uh, the old Living Seas film, and it rained, rained. and it rained, and it rained. The deluge. That's probably, yeah, that's right. That Probably my favorite rain scene that, that you're supposed to experience. Singing in the rain in the great movie ride. That's what I was thinking about. Oh. Forget I said Voyage of the Little Mermaid. I'm thinking about Gene Kelly. Looks nothing <laughs> like Ariel, but. <laughs> uh, there's another one I'm thinking of, but but I can't remember. But but that might be a list for another time because that's a lot of that's a lot of fun too. Or listeners, feel free to call in and tell us your favorite yes. indoor rainy Tim Foster moment. Or send your letters to celebrationspress.com. Oh, I like that. See? There I we like go. like that little snuck-in plug <laughs> there. <laughs> but please write in. We'll print the letters, too. So. Absolutely. We so. should do that. Or your favorite rainy day photos. How's that? There you go. Actually, we got we have in the new issue coming up, we have a rainbow photo. There you go. Which, I, I've got to just... They happen once in a while. I have to just say it because I'm thinking... The singing in the rain umbrella... At Disney's Hollywood yes. Studios. Love that effect. Love it. Okay. Especially now I'm done. Suspecting person. So. 600, you know, things on the list later. <laughs> and, and about I'm two done. or three, you know, uh, different topics that we covered. And of here. course, we missed so many. We did miss many. And I do want to hear other people's suggestions or things that they like to do when it rains. Because we only gave you 10 or 17 or so. Uh, I would love to hear more. Email me, lou at wdwradio.com, or better yet, call the voicemail. Call the voicemail from the parks in the rain, 888-703-2171. You know I love hearing from you guys. And uh, Tim Foster from Celebrations Magazine and GuideToTheMagic.com, thank you, as always, for this um, wet journey through the park. (laughs) Very nice. Thank you. The magic in the Disney parks comes to us in many forms and from many sources, but at the heart of everything that we enjoy and experience is people. As I like to do, I want to introduce you to some of the people whose names you may not know or face you may never get to see. And today, I'm sitting at Disney's Hollywood Studios with the most talented Disney artist, and listen, I say that to everybody, but I only mean it when I talk to you, Uh, (laughs) Disney Design Group character artist, and my friend, Brian Blackmore. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lou. It's great to be here, as always. It's great to uh, it's great to see you again. Great to be sitting here again. We're we're backstage at uh, at Hollywood Studios, and 
like I said, you, you work for the Disney Design Group mm-hmm. um, here at Walt Disney World, and we're going to talk about what you do for the DGG, um, how you got there, and what it is. But I, I really want to go back um, to sort of some of your early beginnings, you know, mm-hmm. growing up on the icy cold of the Northeast, um, you know, as a budding young artist. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about your background. Well, I, I grew up on Cape Cod, which is an, a resort in all its own, too. And there were many long winter months up there where I had to think of things to do. And coming from a very large family of nine children, that was always uh, a steady, I should say, uh, challenge for my folks. And one of the things that we used to do was watch the wonderful world of color and watch Uncle Walt on TV, as he was known back then. And it was during that time that I developed this almost an insatiable hunger for, for watching Disney cartoons. And I think it was about age five that I decided... Uh, that I was going to be a Disney artist. And I was very fortunate that both my parents, both very creative people in their own right, my dad was a heating and electrical engineer and a musician, and my mom was involved with uh, with creativity as well. She was a scout master and, that, and just a, a variety of things that involved cre- creative thought. And they supported me on everything that their kids wanted to do. And when I said I wanted to be a Disney artist at five, well, they embraced that. And they said, yes, son, we're going to support you on that. You should always go for your dreams. Anyway, you, you, you said, I want to be a Disney artist as opposed to just being, hey, I want to draw cartoons. I mean, at five, you understood the distinction maybe between what you saw on Saturday mornings and what mm-hmm. Uncle Walt was bringing you? I, I, I don't think at that age that I really knew the difference between uh, a Disney artist or an animator. I just knew that I wanted to work for Disney as an artist. And that... I guess love came came through through the animated films. When we would go to the drive-ins and watch the, the Disney movies, yes, you're smiling. <laughs> you're dating yourself. Talking <laughs> about drive-ins, myself. Uncle Walt. <laughs> yes, I hit the big five zero this year, just a few weeks back. And so uh, it was something that I always wanted to do. Now, at the time that I graduated high school, of course, I was involved in a lot of art projects or art classes in high school, and the teachers were very supportive of my dreams. The economy wasn't doing very well at that time. In fact, interest rates were at 21%. It was, you couldn't even afford a car. And I didn't know how I was going to go about getting my dream fulfilled by being at Disney. So, because I couldn't afford college, I decided I was going to join the military. And I joined the Air Force. My dad, I remember him saying to me, Son, no matter whatever, whatever you do, whatever job you end up getting in, in the Air Force, always let them know that you're an artist. Always let them know. And to me, that was one of the greatest pieces of advice that he ever gave me. And so what I did was when I got stationed over in Germany, and the job that I was, uh, that it was given to me was a firefighter. I was an air crash firefighter. And I started immediately going to the rec center and, and, and showing the director over there that I could do artwork and I would love to do posters for them and that type of thing. And, and that was a, a good thing because it actually got me doing artwork. And prior to that, I really had no experience in doing anything that involved commercial art. I was going to say, like, you had no formal training up to this point? No. Other than high school? No, I didn't. And so I continued doing the artwork for the the rec center as well as my duties as a firefighter. Well, then when the fire department chief found out that I was involved with art, he decided he wanted to utilize my talents. Instead of riding on the tailboard of a fire truck, he said, I want you to start doing paintings or boards uh, for Fire Prevention Week because that was a big thing uh, in the um, military community over there in, in Europe. And when I got out, well, before I got out, I want to take, take a step back and mention that 
throughout my entire early years of my life, I was constantly sending letters to Disney saying, I want to work there, what do I need to do as an artist? And I would get this standard envelope that would have the Disney emblem on there, and it would have usually a, a pamphlet in there for the Disney Studios. And so uh, it was nothing involving artwork, per se. Then I decided I wanted to send some T-shirt designs that I had done. I, I worked on some T-shirts, and I sent that artwork, along with some other things that I had done for the, uh, the director over there in Europe. And I got eventually sent back to the United States, where I got stationed in South Dakota. And then I received this package. And it was from this gentleman by the name of Craig Lillithorpe. And he worked at Wed Enterprises. He saw my artwork and said, this is great stuff. Um, I think that you really have possibilities to make money as a, as a commercial artist. Now, were you sending him Disney stuff that you would, you know, mock-ups of Disney stuff or just no. general art stuff? It was just general art things that I had done and some cartooning work. And he looked at that and he would made a very nice letter. He even sent back the samples to me that I would given him and a very encouraging letter. And again, this is a little... FYI, and it's, I'm actually fast-forwarding, but Craig Lillithorpe actually worked for Ralph Kent at Walt Disney Imagineering, and Ralph was director at that time, and you talked about Ralph Kent before in your program. Uh, he was a great friend. I, I dearly miss him. A, a, a legend and a Main Street window recipient. I, I could go on for hours about Ralph. And Ralph was the one that received my artwork. And he passed it on to Craig and said, write to this young gentleman. Because it was years later when I finally got on to Disney that I talked with Ralph about that. And he eventually got to meeting uh, Craig. He, Craig had left the company and he was working at Dollywood. And then he came back to visit Ralph. And Ralph allowed me, he said, I want you to be a part of this and meet and talk to him. So I was able to say thank you to Craig because mm -hmm. what he offered to me helped me, I think, get to this point. Anyway, I've, I've rambled on. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. But, you know, just as a, you know, we're talking about, because one of the things I want listeners to gain from talking with you is mm. so many people contact me and say, well, I want to do, I, you know, I want to do what Brian Blackmore does. I want to do what Ron Cohen right. does. How do I do it? You know, you didn't, when you said you were sending things constantly, I mean, you, this wasn't something you said once a year. I mean, you were sending artwork all the time. Um, not, no, not often. I mean, I was sending it probably once every one or two years. Because I really wasn't sure how I needed to go about it. My folks didn't understand the art world, and, and, and that's okay. And, and I didn't have anyone around me really that understood what I needed to do to get to where I was going, although they were very supportive of that. So when I did get my opportunity with Disney, it was very, very strange how it happened. In fact, someone coined the phrase a comedy of errors or nature correcting itself. When I got out of the military, again, the economy was very sluggish. That was in 1982. And the economy was actually quite comparable to today's economy. There were, I think at that point, there was 11% unemployment. It was really bad. I ended up working at this warehouse in Texas. And for many years, I worked unloading and loading trucks. And then the human resources director approached me one time, and I was doing artwork for them, too. You know, once they found out, again, falling back on what my dad said, always let them know you're an artist. So they utilized me in making brochures and things for the local distribution center. See, our main headquarters for this medical supply company is in Chicago. 
So the human resource director at our local distribution center approached me, and she said, look, there's this quarterly magazine that we do. It's called Pace, and it, it talks about the latest changes in the industries as it applies to medical supplies. And she says, maybe they could use you as an artist to do cartooning work or, or something. So we put together a little package and sent it up there. And not too long after that, I received a call from the editor of the magazine, and she said, Brian, I don't know if you know this or not, but the magazine that we do, which comes out quarterly, it pertains only to medical supplies, so we really can't utilize your services. And I said, well, that's okay. She says, but I, I want to let you know something. We're going to start doing this thing called, a little, there's a little piece in the magazine at the end that we're going to call After Hours, and we want to talk about what our employees do outside of their normal responsibilities with the company and we want you to be the first story i thought wow this is kind of cool she says uh, i, I want to go ahead and, and interview you over the phone so she asked me some things about my art and i talked with her about my humble beginnings and how i wanted to develop some comic strips and things and then i mentioned in there disney a few times the magazine came out in february and the article the the actual interview that she did with me occurred in November, but in February the article came out. And this magazine went all over the world to all the distribution centers. It wasn't something that was uh, intended for the public. I get this letter probably about two weeks later. I come into work, and we all had our own mail slots, and I see this, this little letter in there, and I pull it back, and it's a handwritten letter with the Disney logo on there. <laughs> And it's, it's green felt marker. And the gentleman said, uh, I received, I read the article regarding Brian Blackmore, and presently we have no openings here in California, but they are opening a new department in Florida, and perhaps I can put him in touch. And he had his business card. His name was Russ Farrell. And Russ Farrell has since retired, but he worked at Consumer Products out in California. So I'm looking at this business card, and I'm so excited. It's got the little Mickey Mouse on there. And I said, oh, my gosh, here's, here's my opportunity. And I, I call him on the phone, and, and he, he tells me about merchandise opening up in Florida, and then he had this contact there, and I should contact him. Well, obviously, I was very curious as to how he got a hold of this article. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you what happened. is uh, There was somebody that worked at one of the distribution centers that you work for, and they knew someone who knew someone that worked at Disney. So the article got passed to one person and went to another, a Glendale police officer, who in turn handed it to me. And I read the article. So that's how it happened. And there's a lot more to the story, and perhaps maybe I should share that some other time, but it ended up getting me a job here at Disney as a freelancer, and that was back in 1990. And then four years later, I was brought on full-time, and I've been here ever since. And see, that's the amazing thing about your story and how it just differs from somebody like Ron. Ron Coe goes to CalArts and he sort of follows a, a somewhat traditional path. Mm. You, with no formal education, you mm. followed what your father said. You just drew and you drew and you drew. Mm -hmm. And you never know who's listening, who's watching, who's going to exactly. pick something up. And as it came to be, your dream became fulfilled not by knocking on the door but by somebody finding out about you and, and what you want to do and the work that you were doing. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that really, it's what I said was it, it was almost like it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what my sister said. She said it was nature correcting itself. I don't know if many people <laughs> have ever watched, what's that movie, The Incredible Mr. Limpet with Don Knotts? And he turns into the fish. 
and he says to his his wife who's still human and he says honey i think that's nature intended for me to be this and that's what my sister was saying too is that i did everything i think you could possibly do to not get to disney (laughs) i joined the military i i go and work in a warehouse and i end up if by going to that warehouse if i hadn't worked for that Mm -hmm. company i might not be here but for some reason it just worked out It's just one of those really strange stories. And if you think that my story is unique, you ought to listen to the other people in the department because they have just as much of a unique story. And it all boils down to your passion. And I like to throw this in. Whenever I do a talk to students, I talk to students a lot. And there was this one group of students that I was talking to at this art center up in Washington, D.C., and I told them, there's that old movie, Flashdance. And in the song, it says, take your passion and make it happen. And I think that those that's the greatest phrase that you could ever do, is take your passion and make it happen. And don't listen necessarily. Don't be so defiant when someone says you can't do something. But take it as a challenge. Because Walt Disney got that all the time. And everything he did in his entire career, he was always faced with someone that said, oh, no, you can't do that. For example, when you go to the, the motion pictures, they, when he said, I want to make a feature film, which it was Snow White, and the, the experts, so-called experts, were saying, oh, no, you can't do that. People can't take color and moving and all that for, they'll go crazy. <laughs> and then when he decided he wanted to do a theme park, all the experts were saying, oh, you can't keep it clean. There's no way you're going to be able to do it. it. It's just not possible. And he did it. And so going by that example... And I talk to any of those people out there who want to be an artist. And even if it's not being an artist, if it's being an engineer or if it's being an actress or an actor or, or it's being a sports director, whatever. If you take your passion and, and make it happen, just go for it. The worst that could happen is someone says to you, no, but just keep going at it. You'll make it. You'll make it. It's all up to you. You and I share very similar philosophies. I've always Mm -hmm. felt the same way, and I've always felt that, you know, life is too short, and you've got to do what you love. And if you are passionate about it, and you are patient, Mm -hmm. and you are persistent, Mm -hmm. uh, you will be able to make it happen. And every time that you come across one of those obstacles or challenges, I look at that as another opportunity, and as opposed to another roadblock. So, Mm -hmm. um, again, you are a perfect example of that. And like you said, you know, the hundreds and thousands of other people that work here probably have similar stories you know mm-hmm. nobody gets it handed to them you've got to work again to, especially here to be one of of the elite artists and uh and so let's talk about the disney design group um okay. you know and, and tell us what it is and what specifically um you do since you've been here well the disney design group is a group of over 40 artists and we are part of the merchandise branch at walt disney world our responsibility as artists is to design all the merchandise or to assist in the designing of merchandise for all of the stores here at Walt Disney World, which means Epcot, Hollywood Studios, Disney Hollywood Studios, uh, Animal Kingdom, Magic Kingdom, Cruise Line, Disneyland out in California. Uh, it's a major responsibility. It really is. It really is. And, it, and we're reaching a point where we're being looked upon as being the example of the company in terms of how to do the characters. Because when we draw the characters and when we design the products, we're always thinking about 
how the characters appeared in the films. The sticking true to the story. Because in many respects, we are seen as the guardians of what was created by people that have long retired, that have passed on. And it's up to us to hand on that torch, quote-unquote, to the next group of artists that are coming up. Because there's going to be a time when we're going to retire, too. And we want to make sure that we're doing it right. I There's this one class that I teach with three of the fellow artists at Disney University on a quarterly basis, and it's called Character Integrity. And we talk about the application of the characters and the brand and how important it is that we remain true to those things. And in my portion of it, I say to the people that are in attendance that when history is written about our time, we want to be able to say or have historians say, this was a time when things were done right. This is a time when they stay true to the story and true to the guests and true to the Disney enthusiast. Because in many respects, we're at Disney enthusiasts. We're all people that grew up with Disney and we all have our view as to how we think Disney is because it represents so much to so many people in so many different ways. It represents a, a young child coming to the park with grandpa or grandma for maybe the last time. It represents birthdays. It represents innocence, childhood innocence, where you don't have to worry about paying taxes. And you don't have to worry about the economy. and You don't have to worry about uh, the loss of a loved one. You, you're, you're, all, you're there together and you're celebrating and it makes those memories wonderful. And I, it, it sounds like I'm... I'm uh, standing on a soapbox here, but it, it's something that comes from my heart, and I really mean that. Uh, but but that's what I mean. It comes through, and I've seen a lot of your work, and I'm actually looking at some of it here. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, listeners can't see what I'm, I'm privileged to be able to look at. But that passion, that continuing passion, comes through on mm-hmm. what you do because this isn't a job for you. This isn't mm-hmm. something that you want to punch in and punch out. I just can't wait to get home and kick your feet up. This is something that was instilled from you, you know, to into you <clears throat> a number of years ago when you were five years old, right. and it carries through. And you understand how important it is to, and how important this is going to be yes. to the five-year-old kid that's looking at it now, or the forty-year-old kid that's looking at it now. Right, and and it also hopefully it'll serve as an inspiration to some of those younger artists out there that come here and they look at that, and and I would like for them to say that looks like Donald. Mm-hmm. That is the Donald I remember, or. Or I should say for the older guests when they come and say that's how I remember Donald and it's it's again instilling it's making wonderful memories for the older guests but it's instilling hopefully the younger ones that they look at that and they it can be inspired by it because that's that's what it's all about and and I again I went off track a little bit so let me get back to talking about the Disney <laughs> design group um, within the group we have designers and we have character artists and the character artists are the people that actually draw the characters and there's only 13 of us in the department. And in many respects, I see it as, as a brotherhood. If you talk to any of the character artists, they all have this beginning where they had a deep, deep love for Disney. And we do have we have the designers, too. There are some designers that were deeply involved in the Disney history and love it. 
but the character artists, I guess because of the fact that they draw the characters, mm -hmm. they get deep into the history and understanding how the characters developed and why it is. And, and it's more than just a job to us. It's, um, it's a life, I guess, because it's, it's a culmination of, of our dreams, all of our dreams, coming here and working for Disney. And over the years, and I've known you, you know, for a number of, you were actually the yeah. very first interview I ever did. I remember uh, that. When I, way back when. Yeah. And uh, I remember at the time you were working on pins, and mm -hmm. God knows how many pins you've probably designed. But I want to talk about something that, um, when we spoke a couple of years ago, you had just introduced with Disney's Animal Kingdom, mm. you've done Disney Cruise Line, mm -hmm. and now we're looking at the Magic Kingdom version of something called a storybook right. um, that people are going to start to see on merchandise. And I'm, you know, one of the things I love about coming to the theme parks is picking up theme park merchandise, and mm -hmm. this is beautiful. Tell us a little bit about what this is. Well, what you're looking at is is a vision of Main Street with the castle. One of the things that was thought of is when you first come to the Magic Kingdom, aside from seeing the train station, is that vision of going down Main Street. Main Street in itself is to me it represents the magic kingdom this is what sets it apart from the other parks although the other parks have their quote-unquote main street but this this is where many memories are made right here when you step out there and see that castle for the first time and then you're looking at the old buildings and then you can smell the candy out on the street and see you're smiling because you know <laughs> what i'm talking about and you hear the uh, the quartet singing and the barbershop quartet and then you go along and then there's the gentleman playing the player piano and there's so many sounds and smells and, and experiences on main street so this is what was conceived as a group we sat down and said look this is perhaps this is the route we should take so i i kind of sketched out on a napkin the thought and then from there it kind of uh, snowballed and mark who's my mark seppola who's my uh, my boss and actually the person responsible for, for me as well as many other people at Disney Design Group for being there, he hired us uh, gave me guidance on this and we came up with this idea and, and uh, we thought we need to put in characters in here that people can identify with and we wanted to put a lot of secondary characters in there because our guests see Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Goofy and Pluto on many products <clears throat> so we felt it was necessary to put a lot of secondary characters in there because there are some secondary characters like Jiminy Cricket and Lady and the Tramp that people have affinity for and if you look at this illustration here which again it's, it's hard for me to describe it's, it's the view of looking down the main street and all these characters are sitting out in front standing out in front with Mickey and Minnie and Donald Goof and Pluto at the center we have the seven dwarfs in there. We've got Song of the South, Brer Bear, Brer Fox, and Brer Rabbit. We've got the Lost Boys from Peter Pan, as well as the ship here, which was put into this by an idea uh, from Mark Seppola. It was Ralph Kent, our dear friend, who was a Disney legend and a recipient of a window on Main Street. Mark said, we need to put something in here for Ralph. And as you know, Ralph passed away a year ago. It'll be two years I think in September and uh, he wanted to put something in there and he felt that this was appropriate and so we did and there were other little things that we put in here to address to our guests and, and to the fans for example I have Jimmy Cricket over down here and, and we put a map that he's looking at he's not 
the guest can't quite see what he's looking at, but it's it's actually a map of Disneyland and not Disney World. So that's why he has that confused look on his face. And we have some of the fairies from Black Cauldron around the Emporium Light. We also have in there Pongo. And although he doesn't appear in the Magic Kingdom, I thought it would be a good idea. We have a fire station there. And again, this draws back on the fact that I was a firefighter in the Air Force. I wanted to put something in there for the firemen. Now, my wife is a big Cruella de Vil fan. So I had to put her in there, too. And how I got around it was I just put her silhouette in the confectionery window behind Pongo and it's just the silhouette and that's how our guests and our Disney fans see Cruella in the beginning of 101 Dalmatians that's how you're introduced you see her coming up with her silhouette to the window so we thought yeah that would be a good one and so it's a little saying uh, saying hello to my wife and in some of the windows especially up here in in the upper right hand corner uh, we have uh, we have Cleo the fish. She's in her bowl. And then next to her is the flowers from from Trees and Flowers. And there's just a variety of things in there that the guests can look at and, and talk about. And our older guests can identify with our younger guests. They can share in it. Because there are some characters in here, of course, that maybe our older guests might not know. For example, the fairies from Black Cauldron that our younger guests would know. So it's something in there for everyone. And we were really excited about it. Yeah, and again, you know, talking about it certainly can't do it justice, but, you know, it's it's this beautiful, I mean, incredibly vibrantly colored sort of fisheye view of Main Street. And you can see, you know, the Emporium. You can see the confectioner. You can see the partner statue in the distance. But what I love as not just a, a Disney fan but a, a theme park fan is that you have Mr. Toad. You mm. have some of the country bears. You have the hitchhiking ghosts. And when guests look at this, it's not just something that they're going to find on a piece of merchandise. And they'll be able to find it on things, like you said, like mugs, books, shirts, other soft goods. But they can take a look at this picture, sit down together as a family, and try and find and try and identify the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, try and find some of the other hidden things that we won't sort of give, an, give away here. But, you know, certainly you'd be risk if you didn't put in a, a hidden Mickey or two. Right. Or more. On yes, here, yeah, so. or more, absolutely. <laughs> and, that, and that's why this makes it um, such a fun piece. And it must have been fun, you know, for you to sort of um, design it and think about it and put it together. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, it was a, a very short amount of time. It was a very short amount of time. Uh, our, our boss had, had tasked us with getting this completed within a four-week period. And in the art world, that's considered a very short time frame. When you think that you have to draw each of these characters and scan them in the computer and render them and also coordinate it with any other additional artists that are involved and there were quite a few of us involved it wasn't just myself it was Mark who, who was the who was the design manager for the team and, and Paula and Rachel who are the two other members on the team this artwork had to go on a variety of things and because it's on a variety of things there are certain adjustments that had to be made to each and every piece of merchandise involved in the artwork. We certainly couldn't put this huge image on a t-shirt unless we cropped it and then moved some of the characters in. So there was a lot of work to it, and, and it's truly a, a team effort. Truly a team effort. 
and you said something sort of in passing about how you you do it and then you scan it into the computer and I think it's right. important to mention it doesn't take away from any artist that does things in the computer because they're certainly you know just as talented but you're, you're more talented though um, <laughs> <laughs> but you still you still do it you you draw it by hand and you ink it by hand too and I think I think there's a, a certain richness that comes through when when you do it and I think maybe there's you know I don't know how to say there's something about hand-drawn art um, mm. that I think pops off the page differently than the computer animated stuff I, I agree with you and it, it certainly doesn't diminish though the the technologies and how it's improved because as we know and you being a fan and me being a fan of Walt Disney he was always about embracing new technologies new ways to to bring out a, a, an old art form when it comes to drawing the characters, we all still draw the characters in the contemporary way. We still draw it on paper. But there are many of them that use it on the computer because they may not necessarily have the steady hand. And But also we have to understand that sometimes this artwork might be used on something else. Like Mickey will probably, someone might come in and say, you know, I like that Mickey. I want to put him on a billboard out on I-4. Well, when you blow that up, then you start to see the imperfections. If you ink it in the computer, you don't see those perfections because it's vectored line. It's computer line. There is no imperfections. So uh, I think the reason why I didn't so much embrace inking in the computer is, is probably two reasons in there. One, I, I like inking it the old way. And uh, two, I'm, I feel more comfortable with it and I'm faster. I'm much faster than if I did it on the computer. And so I think that's probably one of the things that, that uh, the reasons why I do that. All right, this is, this is a, a fan question. It's not... It, think of me as a fan asking you the question, not the interview trying to get you to show your hand, but, uh, you know, with this, with some of the other merchandise uh, that I've seen recently, we're starting to see more of an influx of some of the theme park characters, some of the theme park attractions in merchandise. Is that maybe, hopefully, uh, a trend that... Uh, and again, not asking you, unless you want to, tell us what you're working on. <laughs> is that maybe a trend towards something that we'll see? Because I know a lot of us who are theme parks fans have really been clamoring for that. And when I saw mm. a Mr. Toad shirt yesterday, mm-hmm. I was ecstatic. Mm. Well, I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> I do like working for Disney. I love working for Disney. <laughs> uh, it's always good to, to look back at what has been established. And our guests, a lot of them clearly have an affinity for the characters that they, that how they looked years ago and, and we constantly have to think of ways to keep our guests from all the time periods of Disney happy. And that's a challenge. That's always a challenge. We have people that like coal-eyed Mickey or pie-eyed Mickey, and then we have people who like the contemporary Mickey. So that's always a challenge of having some kind of a balance. When it comes to the storybook program that was done for the Magic Kingdom and for Animal Kingdom and the one that's currently on the cruise line, the thought that went into that was that we wanted to hit all the guests in in their memories. We wanted to have secondary characters. We wanted to address the experience of being on or each one of these theme parks or on the cruise ship. So when you look at the one for the cruise line, we have the ship dead center of the illustration. And on one side, we have Castaway Key. And on the other side, we have the dock, which could be viewed as either Nassau or it could be viewed as, as Port Canaveral. We have palm trees in there and lots of hidden Mickeys. On the island, we have Merlin the Magician dressed in his outfit that he was wearing 
in the movie when he came back from the Bahamas. So, of course, we weren't, <laughs> we weren't messing with the films. We thought, look, this is appropriate because he did go to the Bahamas. And uh, we have Ursula on the beach. And we try to keep the characters separate. We, can't, we don't necessarily like to have them touching each other because they're from different films. But the environment was correct because Ursula does come from the ocean. And in the water we had also uh, Little Mermaid. And if you look into the water near the ship, we have, as a salute to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, we have one of the, we have the Nautilus down below the water. And if you look... I'm in, smiling again. Yes, I can see you're smiling. <laughs> and in the, we have a treasure chest that's sitting on the beach of Castaway Key. And there's some water that's spilling out. And if you look into the reflection in the water, you'll see Davy Jones's face. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of little things that we put in the illustrations that we want people to notice. Well, we do, and it's uh, and it's very much appreciated, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show because, again, when people see this merchandise and they get excited about it, and they and they buy it from the parks and they bring it home for themselves or they give it to somebody else, it's so very much appreciated. And I think maybe sometimes you guys might not know the same way we don't know the people that create what it is that we appreciate so much. And uh, you know, I wanted to tell your story too because you went from watching the wide world of color to being a part of it and to creating that color and that magic and those memories for others and for thousands and thousands of guests. And finally, you know, before we go, is there anything again for those people that want to do what you do or want to be part of the company or whether it's character art or design group or whatever it is, what kind of advice or, or suggestions would you have for them? And I, and I know everybody's story is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the opportunity to talk with young artists all the time that want to work at Disney or just want to be in the art field in general. And there's one thing that is paramount. And aside from knowing the basics, color theory, anatomy, all of that plays into it. Learning the computer is the most important thing. And I tell the younger artists that want to come here at Disney, I say, you know, if we had, if, if Leonardo da Vinci or Michelangelo considered two of the greatest artists of all time were to walk into this office and ask for a job, we would have to turn them down (laughs) because they don't understand the computer. We have people that come into our department that I've seen brilliant, brilliant artists and they had tremendous portfolios, all airbrushed and just wonderful and when it came down to it, we couldn't hire them because they didn't understand the computer because when you come into here and you work within our department We put you immediately into a room where there's a computer. There's a drawing table there, sure enough, but there's a computer too. And everything is digitalized nowadays, everything. When you send files to a vendor to to apply to a T-shirt or you send turnarounds and blueprints for for a a sculpture, it's sent through the the web, uh, the Internet, to wherever points in the world that this is being done. So you have to be able to know to scan the artwork in, to render it in the computer, to apply all the information within the computer, to compile it and compress it into a file, and then send it to where it needs to go. Things have changed. The art world is basically the same when it comes down to understanding all those things that I mentioned, color theory and anatomy and all that other, all the other things of being an artist. But knowing the technological side of it is just as important. So if there was anything that I would say to any of your listeners that want to be an artist, I would say... Go to college, learn all that you can, and learn your computer. Learn that. In and out. Photoshop and Illustrator, in particular. Excellent. 
great tip. And you know, my skills at photoshopping are legendary. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's a joke because certainly if you've seen any of my work, um, it's Mr. Photoshop would turn over in his, in his grave. So. <laughs> Thank you for all that you do um, and all that you've done. Keep doing and keep moving forward, as we like to say. And uh, Brian Blackmore, Disney Design Group character artist, thanks so very much. Thank you. It is time for another Walt Disney World Trivia Contest. I apologize. We haven't had one over the past couple of weeks due to my move to Florida, but I am here and I am ready. Hope you are as well, because with Space Mountain and the Wedway People Mover going down for refurbishment this past weekend, and I actually hear that they're going to rename the People Mover to something like the TTA or Tomorrowland Transfers. Anyway, I thought that we would theme this week's trivia contest to those classic attractions. I'm going to ask you five questions this week, as well as a bonus question. All you need to do is answer all five. You don't even need to get the bonus question right. If you get all five right, you will be entered into a pool where I will randomly select one winner who will get a prize package. If you get the bonus question right, you're also eligible to win a bonus prize as well. So here we go. Here are your five trivia questions this week. Number one, Space Mountain is made up of two tracks, which, although they're nearly identical, are different pretty much only in length. What are their names, and which one is longer? Number two, on each of the two sets of tracks, 13 trains carry passengers into the depths of space. How many passengers can fit on each train? Question three. What former guest on the WDW radio show was a lead designer on Space Mountain? Question four. Space Mountain has gone through a number of changes over the years. Some big, some small, some sponsorship, and some visual changes inside and out. And along the way, on the exterior, we lost a tall, white, pylon-like tower that had a ride vehicle and four passengers in it sort of giving you an idea of what lied ahead. Each of the four passengers was dressed alike. What were they wearing, and what type of patch was affixed to each of these passengers? Question five, last question. The Wedway People Mover, you kids keep calling it the TTA, is known as the Blue Line in Tomorrowland. There are other transit lines that travel through this working community according to story. What are they, and where do they go? Okay, those are your five questions. You only need to get these five correct in order to possibly win the prize package. But here is your bonus question. Get this right, and be the winner that's randomly selected, and you will win a bonus prize. Here you go. The TTA has gone through a number of its own changes as well as Space Mountain. So, who originally sponsored the TTA? Who was the original narrator? And who was he replaced by? It's a three-part question. Who sponsored the TTA? Who was the original narrator? And who was that original narrator replaced by? 
Now, because I'm going to be in Walt Disney World next week for the meat of the month and some other research, you're going to have two weeks to answer these questions. So you have until 11.59 p.m. on Saturday, May 2nd, 2009. To answer these, email me at lou at wdwradio.com. One entry per person per email address, please. Again, from all the correct entries, I will randomly select one, and they will get the prize package, which includes a 2009 Walt Disney World Trivia Page-A-Day Calendar, an audio guide to Main Street USA on CD, a WDW Radio Show button, and I'm also going to throw in issue three of Celebrations Magazine. If you want it, I'll sign it for you. That's all about Tomorrowland. I figured it was appropriate. And if you get the bonus question correct, you will get a mystery prize, which I'm sure you're going to enjoy. Again, you have until Saturday, May 2nd at 11.59 p.m. Remember, it's more important to be right than it is to be first. So good luck and have fun. That's all the time we have this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Big thanks go to my very special guest, Brian Blackmore, and my kind of special guest, Tim Foster. I kid because I love. You can visit Tim's website at guidetothemagic.com. I took a somewhat impromptu trip up, now it's not down, to Walt Disney World this past weekend. I want to thank everybody that I had a chance to sort of randomly meet up with along the way. I also had a chance to ride the TTA and Space Mountain for the last time, as they will be down for refurb for a few months. And I did take some video, and I will be posting a daily Disney diary in the next day or so. You can watch that and other videos from the site by clicking on the videos tab at wdwradio.com. Or I'm going to also embed them in your iTunes feed. So if you subscribe to the show via iTunes, it will download automatically. So you can watch it either in your iTunes program or on your iPod. Speaking of meets and meeting up in Walt Disney World, quick reminder about my next two meets of the month down in Walt Disney World. They're just going to be very informal gatherings of listeners and readers and forum members, opportunities for to get together and chat while we're in Disney. The next one is going to be Sunday, April 26th at 1 p.m. That's going to be at the Sunset Ranch Market on Sunset Boulevard, right down the street from Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster in Disney's Hollywood Studios. It's going to start at 1. We'll be there for at least an hour or two, so please come by, say hello. No RSVP required, but if you want to let us know you're coming, I'm going to put links in the show notes to the forums and Facebook. You can kind of just let us know that you'll be stopping by. And if you can't make it that weekend, but and you are going to be down the next weekend, my next meet of the month is going to be Sunday, May 3rd. That's going to be in the Magic Kingdom over at the Sunshine Tree Terrace in Adventureland, That is also going to start at 1 o'clock. Again, go as long as you guys wanted to. Links for that also in the show notes. And as long as we're talking about meat, I have to give you an update on the Everest Adventurers Weekend, which is September 24th through the 27th, 2009. We are renting out the Adventurers Club for the dinner and the show. That event is now completely sold out. Tickets and room packages for that event sold very, very quickly. I hope you were able to get in if you were interested. If not but you still do have interest in joining us. We do have a waiting list that we have set up. It does not guarantee that you'll be able to get tickets, but if any spots do open up, I suggest getting your name on that list as soon as possible. 
Again, I'll put that link in the show notes. Don't forget too, we're less than four months away from Magic Meet 2009. Payments opened up yesterday, Saturday, April 18th. That event is also going to sell out fast. That takes place Friday through Sunday, August 7th through the 9th, 2009, up at Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Again, for more information or to register, you can visit magicmeets.com. In the next couple of weeks, I am going to get to more of your listener emails, but don't forget that if you have any questions that you want answered on the show, send them to me at lou at wdwradio.com, or if you want to be heard on the air, you can call the toll-free voicemail line at 888-703-2171. You don't have to call in with a question. It could be a comment. It can be from the parks. Anything at all that you like, you know I love hearing from you. Don't forget that if you're not following me on Twitter, you can get my instant updates by visiting twitter.com slash That is free to follow. And please come by, friend me up on Facebook, join the WDW Radio Show group. I have links to both of those, not only in the show notes, but on the homepage of wdwradio.com. Celebrations Magazine Issue 4 is on its way. Many of you have already let me know that you have started to receive it in your mailbox. I hope you are enjoying it. If you are not a subscriber or if you're interested in purchasing back issues of Celebrations Magazine, which is a collaborative effort between me and Tim Foster, as well as so many people from the Disney community whose names and work you know, please go by and visit celebrationspress.com. Thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel, Don't forget to also come by www.radio.com. Visit the shop where you can purchase the calendar, the books, the CDs, and so much more. And as always, if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Review us in iTunes. Come say hi on Facebook. And of course, my friends, thank you again so very much for taking the time and tuning in again this week. I hope to meet so many more of you over the next couple of weeks in Walt Disney World. So until then, or until next week, remember to always keep moving forward. Have a great week, everybody. See ya! Hey, Lou, it's Josh. Um, I'm calling again on Monday. Usual. Uh, just a typical Monday. So uh, anyway, I was listening to a show from a few weeks ago, and um, I was listening to one of the voicemails, and um, there was this one woman on there, uh, I'm sorry if you're listening to it right now, and I, I forget your name, but um, you were talking about ideas to put into the Virgin Megastore, and her and her, uh, I think she said it was a pin trading club, I suggested a roller rink. I think roller rink sounds like a great idea, and um, I might send that to the uh, Walt Disney World Resort. Um, I don't know if you have where you can send something to them, and I don't know, but I mean, I mean, we could have, like, like she said, skee-ball and all the games that you know and love. I mean, we have skee-ball and stuff, but like at the All-Star Resorts, there's arcades, but you might have just one or two skee-ball machines. It's going to have, like, ten, and there could be Pac-Man, Space Invaders, Foosball. Um, that would be really cool. See ya. Bye, Lou. Um, hey, Lou. It's Josh. Um, I've already called today, but, uh, you don't have to play that one. Um, I'd really like you to play this one. This voicemail that I'm going to leave right now. Um, you're going to see an emotional side of me for a minute. Uh, usually I call in with news or comments or stuff that I like about Disney World or something, but I'm going to change it um, right now. I wanted to, uh, Lou, I wanted to tell you that you're the inspiration to me for uh, for loving Disney so much. I mean, I mean, when I was in third grade, I, I my parents bought me your first trivia book, 
as a gift. And um, I love that book. Uh, I told them it was the best $15 they ever spent, um, which it probably was. I mean, that's what that's what led up to who I am today. I mean, I'm only 12, but that's okay. That's not going to stop me. I just wanted to tell you that I read that book all day long. I read it on the bus. I'd ask trivia to my mom, dad, brother, friends. It was a great book. And uh, the thing, the only problem is, um, well, on my uh, last trip to Disney, which was last October, um, October 13th to 20th, 2008, was there for a week, um, when I was on the plane, I took your book and I took a burn bomb guide to the Magic 2. I took one of them and I took your book. And I set them in those little holders that had the magazines and everything. And I guess I was so excited to get off the plane and everything that I forgot them. So um, I was excited when I found your second book a few months later. I think it was, um, it was, well, no, not a few months, a few weeks. And um, I found your book, and I read it at school every day. And uh, I especially love uh, the radio show. Um, and, I mean, uh, I, I wish I could really come down and meet you and uh, Tim Foster and Glenn Whalen in person. But the only problem is that I'm 12. And, I mean, I can't go down to Disney. I wouldn't even be able to check into the hotel. So um, that's kind of a kind of... A drawback, but I mean, I'd love to come to the meet of the month. Uh, I'm trying to win that Smuckers and Jif contest, so I hope I do, and I can meet all the other fans. And I mean, now I want to follow my dream, and I want to become a show writer at Imagineering. So, uh, Lou, I just wanted to say thank you for everything. Bye. Hello. We're unable to take your call at this time. Please leave your name and phone number. We'll return your call as soon as possible. Thank you, and have a great day. Hi, this is Lou Mangello from WDW Radio, and I'm calling for Josh. Josh, I want to thank you for calling in every week to the show. I really appreciate you listening. And I was thinking that I just love the fact that you are so enthusiastic and you are so into it. And the voicemail that you left me this week really, really impressed me, and it really meant a lot that you called in. So I was thinking that if you want, I want you to come on the show with me. We'll do a segment. Maybe we'll do a fact or fiction you come on, we'll have a little bit of fun. Email me when you get a chance, and we'll definitely set something up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your support. And you know, buddy, always keep moving forward. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Lauren from East Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, I actually just started listening to your podcast a little while ago. My colleague, Melissa, turned me on to it. And um, I started listening when I found out that you were moving from Edison or from around that area, very close to me, to Florida. So uh, right now, I hope the move went well. Uh, I'm gearing up for a Disney vacation myself. I'm actually leaving tomorrow, and I'm very excited about it. I'm going with my boyfriend, and usually before a trip, I like to do some prep, like I'll get a new book and I'll read through it, or I'll watch all of my movies that I have. And actually, perfect timing that Melissa turned me on to this, um, I've been listening to your show nonstop in the car, no matter where I'm going, and I'm a little addicted, I have to say. So um, thank you so much. You actually make me want to drive more, and um, I will definitely call you from the park. I'm really excited to go on the TTA and uh, Space Mountain. I know I'm going to be there for the weekend right before it closes. So I will give you a call. Thanks so much for everything that you do. Bye.
Hi, Lou. This is Lauren from East Project, New Jersey again. I'm here with my boyfriend, Mike. Say hi. Hey, Lou. <laughs> and uh, we're standing in line for Tower of Terror at Hollywood Studios. Uh, we actually just went through the uh, American Idol experience, and I made it through the two auditions on the Sing in the Five O'Clock show. Um, yesterday we went to Magic Kingdom and literally spent, I think, 11 or 15 hours there. Um, got to go on Space Mountain before it closed, and it was a great ride. It kind of surprised us. We didn't remember how intense it could be. So, um, yeah, we're having a great time. Thanks again for all that you do, and uh, call again soon. Bye. Hi, Lou. It's Arielle from New Jersey. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking my email into consideration and interviewing Ridley Pearson. That was just so exciting and so cool to actually hear what he had to say on there. And it was so cool, all that research that he did. It, it was just really, really exciting. Thank you so much, Lou. Um, hope your move to Florida has gone well. And um, love the show. Bye.